Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us how Esther, in a time of faith, had already been discipling other Persian maidens in the palace and had support in a time of crisis. This message is available for free download on iTunes or at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, remember, our teaching series on the book of Esther will continue until Purim on March 15th this year, 2014. And then Tom Cantor will resume teaching from Exodus every Thursday and Friday, but will continue every Thursday and Friday up to Purim on March 15th, studying the book of Esther. Now remember, all of the Exodus, Esther, Genesis, and other special messages from Tom Cantor are available for free listening and free download at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Now, Tom Cantor wants to encourage you to witness to your lost Jewish friend, maybe a Jewish doctor, Jewish business owner, Jewish neighbor, Jewish friend, maybe even a Jewish family member or acquaintance that you know. And Tom Cantor wants to send you his life story on DVD and in a booklet form to help you evangelize and reach your lost Jewish friend. It's not a Roman's road track, but it's something that will resound with Jewish people. And Tom came from an Orthodox Jewish background with his great-grandfather and grandfather, And then his dad, who was a Beverly Hills doctor, being secular Jewish. So his testimony spans and touches on Orthodox to secular to atheist. And it's a wonderful testimony. Millions and millions and millions of copies have gone out around the world in different languages from Israel to South America, the United States, Canada, all over the world. We'd like to get you a copy. And there's two ways to do that. You can go to friendshipwithgod.org, fill out the online form under free gift, and we'll send that gift to you or to your Jewish friend for free. And you can also call us at 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051. We do appreciate your support, and you can make a donation online at friendshipwithgod.org. It helps us to provide free gifts to lost Jewish people, friendshipwithgod.org. Or again, you can call us to donate or to get that free gift, 1-800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor with our teaching from the book of Esther. This song, Lord, reminds us this morning once again of the great sacrifice that you made in order that we might, Lord, be able to sing from our hearts, listen and say amen to it's well with our soul. Thank you for making it well with our soul by your death on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn in your Bibles to Esther, this great book that we've been studying here in Esther chapter 6 this morning. Esther chapter 6. And please follow along here as I read this chapter, 14 verses, Esther 6, verse 1. On that night could not the king sleep, and he commanded to bring the book of records of the chronicles, and they were read, or called out, before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, the keepers of the door, who sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. And the king said, What honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, There is nothing done for him. And the king said, Who's in the court? And now Haman was come into the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. Perfect timing. And the king's servants said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom would the king delight to honor more than to myself? And Haman answered the king, 
For the man whom the king delighteth to honor, let the royal apparel be brought which the king useth to wear, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head. And let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man with all whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on the horseback through the streets of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Make haste, and take the apparel and the horse, as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai the Jew, that sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. Then took Haman the apparel and the horse, and arrayed Mordecai, and brought him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor. And Mordecai came again to the king's gate, but Haman hasted to his house mourning and having his head covered. And Haman told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had befallen him. Then said those wise men and Zeresh, his wife, unto him, If Mordecai be of the seed of the Jews before whom thou hast begun to fall, thou shalt not prevail against him, but shall surely fall before him. And while they were yet talking with him, came the king's chamberlains and hasted to bring Haman unto the banquet that Esther had prepared. Now, so far we've seen in the book of Esther how Esther was persuaded by Mordecai to go to the king to save her people. There we saw Mordecai like we've never seen him before as the great man of God. We saw Mordecai in his finest hour when he was willing to sacrifice that little girl Esther who he had given his life to bring up, to protect, to save her from being an orphan. We saw that at this point he was willing to sacrifice her in order to save his people. We saw all of this in the last words that Mordecai spoke to Esther before she risked her life to save her people. And you might want to look at that. And that's in Esther 4, 13 through 14. This is Mordecai's finest moment. We really see him here where he says, Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth? whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. With those immortal words that he spoke, we saw Mordecai as a great man of God, and he was persuading Esther to go ahead, Esther, risk your life for your people. Mordecai was so close to Esther that without even seeing her, without even being with her, he knew what she was thinking. Mordecai and Esther were like this. And so he knew exactly what she was thinking. And so even though she was the queen, Mordecai was still like her father when we read those words. Mordecai commanded. And what Mordecai commanded was her thoughts. He commanded, saying, think not. So Mordecai was commanding her thoughts. He commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape. Mordecai was guiding, as he had in the past, her thinking by telling Esther, Esther, there's no such thing as escaping the call of God 
to a place of safety. There is no safety when you try to escape the call of God. No doubt Mordecai had taught this little girl, Esther, all about Jonah, because Jonah lived over a hundred years before this time. And so Mordecai would have taught his little Esther what happened to the prophet of Jonah when he ran away from the call of God and how he ended up spending three days in the belly of a big fish. Terrible place to be. And he said, who knew, who knew that as Mordecai was teaching Esther that lesson about how Jonah had that decision point in his life, follow the call of God, obey God, or run away from the call of God. Who knew that the girl he was teaching, Esther, would come to that same crossroads? Only this time, it would be the crossroads of whether or not to save her people. But he was faithful when he taught her. So notice in verse 14 that twice Mordecai used the word time. Time, he said. If thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, he said, who knoweth whether thou art come into the kingdom for such a time as this. So with those words, Mordecai was saying to Esther, 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 it's all about time. It's all about timing. It's all about the window of opportunity. It was for Jonah. He was called, and at that time, he made the wrong decision. God graciously gave him another chance. But he was saying to Esther, Esther, now at this time, it is your time, your moment of opportunity. That's why he used the word time twice. And the other thing he did in this is he repeated the word thou, thou. He says it there, thou, two very important places. If thou, Esther, you altogether hold your peace, who knoweth whether thou, you, are come to the kingdom for such a time as this? So in other words, he was saying to Esther, Esther, this isn't a general. This isn't a general call. This is a call to you. This isn't a wishy-washy decision. This is your decision, and it's critical. Understand, Esther, this is the call of God to your life. This is the time to decide for God. This is the time, Esther, for you to put God first and yourself second. And Mordecai was saying to Esther, Esther, it's you. It's you. This is the time that God has focused his spotlight of history on you. Everyone is waiting for your decision, Esther. What will it be, Esther? What will it be? Is your decision going to be self or God? You have to choose. Esther, no one can make this decision for you. You have to make this. He could say, Mordecai could say, Esther, I've raised you for such a time as this. Choose God. Risk self. God has brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. Choose God, risk self. Choose God, risk self. Choose right, Esther. And so all of this is coming across, and this is the last words he speaks to Esther before she goes in and risks her life. And that's why these immortal words are so important. And then we traced through Esther's struggle that she had within her soul as she argues, and finally she agrees with Mordecai, and we read those great words of her personal triumph. This is the personal triumph of Esther with those words, those immortal words, where Esther raised the flag for God over her soul with those words when, she, when in essence she was saying, God first, God first. And those were the last words that she spoke to Mordecai before she went to go risk her life. And those are the words in Esther 4.16 when she said, Go gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night and day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise and so will I go in unto the king 
which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Those are the immortal words which she said. That was Esther, the great woman of God. That was her finest moment when she said, I go and if I perish, I perish. She fully accepted to take the risk of her life to do this. And with those words, Esther had resolved for herself she was going to save her people or she was going to die trying to save her people. But as for Esther, it was God first and she would risk her life. And in those words, we also saw Esther's reliance on God. We saw that there was only one way, as she put it, that she was willing to go in and do this and risk her life. And she said, it must be with fasting. It must be with prayer. So in other words, she was saying, anywhere with God, nowhere without God. Anywhere with God, nowhere without God. And Esther had said the only way she would do this is that she wanted every Jew to get involved, to get engaged, personally engaged, through fasting and prayer. And she was very specific about the fast. She said, first, it was no food and no drink for three days. Very, very rough. You know, even on the Day of Atonement, you only do that for one day. But she said three days. Second, it was to be a fast night and day. She specified that. You know, not like my daily diet between lunch and dinner, see? This was to be uh, nighttime also, not like Ramadan. Anyway, so all the Jews were engaged. They were to be engaged. And they all knew that if Esther lived, they would live. If Esther didn't live, that's a bad situation. Now, there's one very important detail in chapter 4, verse 16, that should not be overlooked because it tells us so much about who Esther was. And that's where it says this in, in chapter 4, verse 16. Fasty for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night and day. And then it says this. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. That last statement, Esther makes, she, that just opens up a window for us about Esther. Because we, would see, because we would say about exactly what was Esther doing there in that palace during these five years that she, to this point. When she said, I also and my maidens will fast likewise, my maidens will fast likewise, who are those maidens that Esther is talking about? Those maidens were Gentile Persians. They were not Jews. Those were Persian maidens who knew about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those were Persian maidens who were going to fast and pray to the God of Israel. She said that. She said, my Persian maidens are with me on this. And they're going to fast. They're going to pray to the God of the Jews because they knew the God of the Jews also. How did those Gentile Persian maidens come to faith in the God of the Jews? How did those Gentile Persian maidens come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, known as Jehovah at that time? Because Esther taught those Gentile Persian maidens, because Esther brought those Gentile Persian maidens to faith in the God of Israel. Esther did for those Persian maidens, those Gentile Persian maidens, what Mordecai did for her. Mordecai taught her and brought her to faith. And Esther taught her maidens and brought them to faith. And with that very simple phrase, I also and my maidens will fast likewise, Esther was saying to Mordecai, 
Look, Mordecai, like you. I have been like you. I have taught and brought. You taught and brought me. I taught and brought these Gentile Persian maidens to faith in the God of Israel. And Esther could say back to Mordecai, Mordecai, look at these believing Gentile Persian maidens. Who knoweth, Mordecai, whether I am come to the kingdom for such Gentile Persian maidens also as these? Because those Gentile Persian maidens are in heaven today with Esther. Why? Because Esther taught and brought. She taught and brought them to the Lord Jesus Christ known as Jehovah. And in that, we can see that Esther was a great woman of God. Because Esther saw those Gentile Persian maidens in their lostness. And Esther felt the great distance between those Gentile Persian maidens and God. And Esther cared for those Gentile Persian maidens that they were going right down the middle of the road to hell. And Esther was a great woman of God because Esther said, it's not necessary. It's not necessary for these Gentile Persian maidens to be lost from God. It's not necessary for these Gentile Persian maidens to be separated from God. It's not necessary for these Gentile Persian maidens to go to hell. It's not necessary. I will get them to heaven. I will bring them close to God. I will get them saved. So she loved these Gentile Persian maidens, and she taught and brought them to faith. And what Esther did for those Gentile Persian maidens is no different than what Joseph did for his Gentile Egyptian steward, who we see in Genesis 43, 19-23, when that Egyptian steward evangelized Joseph's brothers and told them, don't worry, God had your money, God's going to take care of you. What Esther did for those Gentile Persian maidens is no different than what Daniel did in Persia that resulted in Persian magi coming to Jerusalem saying, Matthew 2, 1 through 2, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Why would Gentile Persians from the east, come to Jerusalem to find the king of the Jews. Why would they do that? Because Daniel taught and brought Gentiles who taught and brought Gentile Persians to the God of Israel. And those Gentile Persians taught and brought and taught and brought. And that taught and brought went on for five over 500 years until someone taught and brought wise men who came looking for the king of the Jews. Now, Esther's no different from the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.22, All the saints salute you, chiefly they of Caesar's household. How could there be Gentile Roman servants in Caesar's household that were believers? Because Paul taught and brought, just like Esther. Paul did that. So we saw how Esther waited three very tense days. That's how chapter 5 started. Very tense days of fasting and praying. 
And during that time, we can just imagine the tension mounting and mounting and mounting. And picture yourself as, just imagine yourself, picture yourself as one of the Jews in the city, and you're wanting to find out. And everything you find out has to travel by word of mouth, but the word of mouth was very active at that time. And so the news came out. And so what was the news? Esther's going to go. And the news has come out. Esther has stood in the king's court. And what happened? Oh, the king hoiled out his scepter to her, and she didn't die. They go, oh, you go, oh, that's great. And then you expected to hear, okay, and then she went, and she asked for our lives, right? She asked to save all of us Jews from Haman. And in fact, you hear, even the king said to Esther, well, Esther, what's your request? Tell me where your request is. So everybody's waiting and waiting for Esther to make a request. And then you wait for the news, and then you hear the news. No, she didn't do that. She asked the king and Haman to come to a banquet that she's going to make. And that makes you kind of dizzy. And then you're kind of like, you know, a banquet. A banquet. Is this the time for a banquet? I mean, we're all going to be killed, and Esther's having a banquet. And then who she invited? The murderer, Haman, of all people. She's killing us with tension. And you say, okay, and you wait. And you hear, okay, what happened at the banquet? And you say to yourself, well, at the banquet, she's going to ask to save our lives. We just have to wait. And the news comes out that everyone expected that Esther had made the request to save the Jewish people at the banquet. And even the king at the banquet said, Esther, what's your request? And instead, she says, you should come the next night for another banquet. And at this time, you say, she's killing me. And your, your bottle is empty now. You know, you're, you're having a hard time. You're saying, I can't take it. A second banquet with the murderer? What is she doing? What is Esther doing? I'll tell you what she's doing. I don't know what she's doing, but she's doing this. So you turn to Mordecai and you say, Mordecai, what is she doing? What is Esther doing? And Mordecai says the same thing I said. He says, I don't know. And Mordecai, his, his empty bottle of Zantac too. It's very difficult. Now, let's take a look at the stage at this point. And what do we see? We see Mordecai and the Jews. And so we already talked about it. The tension is, uh, is they're on pins and needles. It's a very, very difficult time. We see Esther. For some reason, Esther is very, very confident. She has a plan. Nobody quite knows what the plan is. She's doing. Nobody knows why she's doing. But she seems to be very comfortable with it. King Ahasuerus, he's wondering what kind of a queen he got married to in the first place with all these banquets, and she won't tell what her request is. And Haman is interesting. Now the spotlight switches to Haman. We see Haman, and he's on his way home, and he's gloating, and he's thinking about how privileged he is to have been the only one invited to this private banquet with the king and the queen, and everything is just, he feels great until he sees Mordecai. And Mordecai, he passes by Mordecai, and Mordecai just sits at the gate. He doesn't get up and bow and do him any reverence. And that just infuriates Haman. Everything's ruined. All of this good feeling about how privileged he is. And then we see Haman's wife and his friends, and they listen to another nauseating lecture by Haman on how great Haman is. That's always has these lectures. And they listen, and they listen, and then they hear Haman complain about Mordecai. And Haman's wife and his friends, they say, we have a great idea. We have a great idea. Since Esther is going to make her request at the banquet tomorrow, that means the king is going to be in a request-granting mood. So take advantage of it and have a big gallows made overnight, and we'll pay the workers overtime. And then when you go tomorrow for the banquet, ask to hang Mordecai. So Haman, he also thinks this is a great idea. And Haman, with this idea, he has his best sleep that he's had in a long time. He sleeps so well. And he's sleeping all that night. And he's not the only one who's getting a good night's sleep. His wife and his friends are getting a good night's sleep 
also because now they don't have to listen to Haman complaining about Mordecai. And so now we come to chapter 6, verse 1, where we start off, we see everybody on this night after the banquet, for the next night's banquet, everybody's getting a good night's sleep, except for one person. Esther 6, 1, on that night could not the king sleep. So everyone is sleeping so well except for the king. That phrase, on that night could not the king sleep. That says it all. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. It's your listenership and support of the Friendship with God radio program that helps us to reach lost Jewish people through Israel Restoration Ministries as well as this radio program. Now, this past year, we've reached over a million and a half lost Jewish people in their homes door-to-door with evangelizing them, taking gospel gifts to them, and helping them to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen many Jewish people come to a saving knowledge this past year, but we want many more to come, and we do that through Jewish evangelism outreaches through Israel Restoration Ministries missionaries that go door-to-door with the gospel. We did it this past year in 18 different U.S. cities in America. We also go to other countries like South America, which is Buenos Aires, a huge Jewish population there, as well as Haifa in Israel, many other cities in Israel where we've launched campaigns, as well as Canada and other major Jewish population cities around the world. Now, to encourage you to support Jewish evangelism, we do it through resources, such as our January resource, where we put three of Tom Cantor's books into one compilation resource. Frequently Asked Questions, one of his most popular books, Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ, and How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Jewish Messiah, Tom Cantor's Life Story. All three of these books put into one major compilation. It's an amazing offer. Now, we're asking for a $30 or more donation towards this ministry, but you'll get a matching donation towards Israel Restoration Ministries to help the gospel to go out to the Jew first. So you're supporting this radio program and Jewish evangelism and the gospel going out around the world, and it also goes out to many millions of Gentiles as well, too. So if you'd like this January resource from Tom Cantor, three of his books into one compilation book for a $30 or more donation to help support Jewish evangelism, call us today, 1-800-247- 3051, 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, get this great compilation book, or you can go to friendshipwithgod.org and go to our online bookstore. Thanks for listening and join us tomorrow.